opportunity today to be here, gathered together with other believers of like mind. We thank you for this privilege. We thank you for the the privilege of exalting your name, of lifting you up on high. Father, I just pray that it's not words, just not words that we're singing, but it's the song of our heart. It's the joy of our heart to give you praise, to exalt you, to set you up on a pedestal, Father, to to keep you on the throne that you're on and, and not to try to take you down and put ourselves there. Father, today we want to pray for Ruth and Dan Himmel as our CEF missionaries. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that they have this summer of doing their summer camp and of doing five-day clubs. Thank you that, that they can do that again this year, and we just pray that many souls would be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the good news would be shared, and that through that, your name would be exalted. And Father, uh, Beth and I would just like to ask the church to pray for our daughter, Erica. We believe that she's in labor now, and um, just exciting, and we just give that to you, Father, and just uh, pray that you give her strength and, and give just, just, Justin wisdom when to know to get out of the way and when to get in there and help her out. And uh, we, just, we just thank you for the blessing, Father, and just pray that, that uh, Erica and the baby will both be safe and healthy, and we, we give that to you this morning, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Sorry, I didn't get, mean to get emotional about that. That one caught me out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> Number nine, coming down the line. <laughs> Open God's words to the book of Nehemiah, if you would. Last week we were looking at chapter 11, going through a lot of the lists of names, but the idea of the message was that we would make ourselves a free will offering to God, that we would use the gifts that he's given to us to serve him, that we would be the unforgettable forgettables. All the people and the work that gets done behind the scenes that don't always get the applause and the recognition, but that are faithful, faithfully serving the Lord. And we are to give ourselves to God. And the first 26 verses of chapter 12 continue the lists. And we didn't, we didn't read through all the unpronounceable names last week on that list, but this, uh, some of them are repeated from chapter 11. And uh, just just the one thing in verses 1 through 26 that I would quickly point out is in verse 24, with all the names and their brothers and that, and it says, to praise and give thanks as prescribed by David, the man of God. To praise and give thanks. And as we get into chapter 12 today, we have the dedication of the wall. And that is what the praise and the thanks is about. Our title, Thanksgiving on the Wall. Now normally we have it at a table with a turkey. I don't think there was any turkey involved on the wall that day in Jerusalem. 
The only turkeys may have been Sam Ballot and Tobiah, but we'll get to them in a few minutes. But joyful praise was the was the the prescription of the day. It was the the mode of the day. The wall had been rebuilt through all of the the tribulations, through all of the hatred and animosity from the enemy, from the blessing of Artaxerxes to send Nehemiah back and with with the blessing of the materials to, to rebuild the wall. Remember, we talked about the wall being a wall of separation to keep the world out. And it was the the city of Jerusalem was to be a a place where Yahweh's name would be praised. It was to be a place where Yahweh's law was to be established and kept. It was a place where God was on the throne. And a place that the, the people could go to the temple and worship the true God. So last week was we give ourselves to God. This week is we give our praise to God. Chapters 8 through 10 was the the dedication of the people. If you remember, they came to the end of July and it was the first day of the seventh month. They had the Feast of the the Trumpets. The tenth day they celebrated the Day of Atonement. Then they came to the fifteenth day and they had an eight-day celebration, the Feast of the Tabernacles or the, the Tents. And when they got done with that, they got back to their broken and contrite spirits, back to the the conviction of the Holy Spirit that started when Ezra read from the law. And so chapters 8, 9, and 10 were were the dedication of the people, and and in chapter 12, we're going to dedicate the wall. In this chapter, chapter 12 in Nehemiah, singing is mentioned eight times. Thanksgiving six times. Rejoicing is mentioned seven times. This isn't the, the down in the mouth. This is the lively, this is the lively set. This is not the, the time for slow hymns that you might sing at a church or even at a funeral. This isn't that time. This is, this is the time to get up and celebrate. I don't want to jump ahead, so I won't. So you're going to have to wait and listen for the, the end part. But it talks about mothers and children getting involved as well. It wasn't just the leaders that we see and, and get introduced here to. It was, it was a joyful occasion. It was a celebration We're going to start in Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 27. I'll read through uh, verse 30 for starters. Now, at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought out the Levites from all their places to bring them to Jerusalem so that they might celebrate the dedication with gladness, with hymns of thanksgiving and with songs to the accompaniment of cymbals, harps, and lyres. Put those in a worship service today and you'll get some people not wanting to come to church. Sadly. So the sons of the singers were assembled from the district around Jerusalem and from the villages of the Nethophites. 
from Beth Gilgal and from their fields in Geba and Esmaveth. For the singers had built themselves villages around Jerusalem, and the priests and the Levites purified themselves. They also purified the people, the gates, and the wall. Let's go back up to verse 27. Now at the dedication of the wall, they sought out the Levites from all their places. Well, what does that mean? I learned something studying for this this week. Hopefully I learned something every week, but this is just kind of a fact that for some reason I've never logged away up here. In 1 Chronicles 24, the priests were divided into 24 groups. 24 groups. Eleazar had 16 sons. He was a, the priest. And Ithamar had 8 sons. So 8 and 16 is 24. So in First Chronicles 24, they were divided into 24 groups. Now see, I, I've always just had this, this image of the, the temple that all the Levites were just kind of always working there. But they were a whole tribe. And the temple wasn't so big that they would have just been tripping all over. So, so whoever came up, and we'll talk about this more next week, of who came up with the idea of dividing them into 24 groups. But it was a brilliant idea. Because what it did is that made each, each group would, be, would serve at the temple for half a month. Okay? Well, what did they do the whole rest of the year? They just sit around and eat bonbons and watch soap operas? I don't think so. The rest of the year, they were involved in their villages, in their cities. They would be farmers. They would have sheep. They, they would have life to do, okay? But they had their two weeks, give or take, just a little bit more than two weeks probably, each year that they were dedicated servers at the temple. In the rest of the year, they'd go back to their village. Kind of makes me think of the tithe that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. There was the, we, we talked about the four tithes, the temple tax, the wood tax, the first fruits, and then the, the actual tithe. The 10% that the, the whole country would bring to the temple to the Levites, and the Levites would take 10% of that and give it to the priests. Then there was the other 10% tithe that was expected to come into the, to the house of God. And every third year, you had to put another 10% on that. So every third year, you were, you were given 30%. The rest of the time, you were given 20 or close to 20 And we've talked about this before, many times before, but we brought it up again a couple of weeks ago specifically. What we give to God is what we give with a, in a willing heart today. If it's 2%, 10%, 20%, 50%. L.G. Letourneau, was, by the time he died, he was given 90%. And he was a really wealthy man. But every year he would give 90% of his income to the Lord. Because that's what the Lord blessed him with. That's what he, God doesn't expect you or I to give 90%. But he does expect us to give with a willing heart and a joyful heart. Because, let's, say, let's just say, according to the Old Testament, we give 10% to the church. 
Guess what? The other 90% is God's too. It's not ours to do whatever we want to do with it. Yes, he knows that we need food and clothing and shelter, and we, we get that. But how we spend that other 90% is also of interest to God, because it's all his. Well, with the, the Levites here and the priests that would serve, they had their two weeks, 17, 18 days, half a month, whatever, that they would serve once a year in the tabernacle. But the rest of the time wasn't just theirs to sit around and do nothing. Because that time is God's time also. What we do here on Sunday morning, well, that's the time I give God for the week. That's, that's it for the week. I'll see you next Sunday morning. Well, I sure hope not. Because the rest of your week belongs to God too. It's all His. And that is part of the reason they were so joyful on that wall that day. Because they were acknowledging that it's all His. Now as we go through the passage today, there's, there's going to be three different entities, and I'm going to just give them to you now, because we'll, they'll, they'll come in here and there and, and intermix. Three, three, three parties to the dedication. First of all, God, because it was his wall he built it. Second of all, to the Jewish people, so that they could see that their work was done. And, and you know, they could walk as... I'm going to get ahead of myself. Don't, John. Slow down. The Jewish people are going to, are going to see that their work was completed. And the third, the third group or entity here are those wily rascals, Sam Ballot and Tobiah. And the, the outside world, the, the non-Jews, the Gentiles, to see what was done. So they... The Levites, as we, as we started in verse 27, now the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought out the Levites from all their places to bring them to Jerusalem. They wanted them all there at once. This, this is above and beyond your two weeks, guys. We want you all here. All hands on deck. Because we're all going to worship God for, for what He's done in the nation. So they sent telegrams out to all the villages around. Guys, come on this day. We're having the dedication of the wall. Get here. Be here to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with hymns of thanksgiving, with songs to the accompaniment of cymbals, harps, and lyres. Guys, we're going to have a celebration because God is who He says He is, and He's on the throne, and the work is done. The wall is built. And we've talked about this too. Although the wall was built, there was still work to be done. But that wall being built was cause for celebration. Get down to verse 30 there and it says, The priest and the Levites purified themselves. They also purified the peoples, the gates, and the wall. They were to set themselves apart to be pure for the worship of God. I know we make a, a special effort at communion time when we, when we share in communion. But you know, but that's something that we ought to be doing every day is examining our hearts. 
What are my motives? You, you, you may think, you, you know, what do we say? You can fool everybody some of the time and some of them all the time. But you can't ever fool God. He knows our hearts. He sees our hearts. He knows what's in there. And when we come to worship Him, think Psalm 51. We need to have a pure heart. We need to ask Him to cleanse us. We need to ask Him to restore to us the joy of our salvation. Because we can't come and worship Him truly. If, we're, if we haven't purified, if we haven't been purified, if we haven't taken that time to confess our sins to him. To minister to others, our hearts must be clean before God. We cannot tolerate evil in our hearts and we should not tolerate evil in our midst. That's why Matthew 18 is set up for church discipline. If a brother or sister, if we see them in sin, it's our responsibility to go to them in love with the purpose of restoration, not with the purpose of poking them in the eye. But it's to be done in a godly manner and it's to be done in love. And that may be part of the purification process before we can worship. Turn to Proverbs with me if you would. Proverbs chapter 17 verse 22. Proverbs 17.22, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. A joyful heart is good medicine. We can't have a joyful heart when we come to worship the Lord if there's sin in our lives. And if we try it, we're hypocrites. It doesn't work. When we come to the Lord, we need to have a joyful heart, and you can't have joyful heart if you're harboring sin. Back just a few pages to Proverbs 15. Verse 13. And you wonder why. This is going to tell you why I do smile checks, guys. Straight out of God's Word, okay? Proverbs 15, 13, a joyful heart makes a cheerful face. But when the heart is sad, the spirit is broken. When the heart is sad, the face is broken. I like to say, smile, it increases your face value. A joyful heart makes a cheerful face. And if we don't have Jesus residing as the king of our heart, we cannot be cheerful. We need to be cheerful. We we need to be in a place where, where we find these Jews in Nehemiah on this day. That the priests purify themselves. They purify the people, the gates and the wall. We don't know exactly 
what they did for the purification process this day, but most likely it involves some sacrifices. Sacrifices to sin, give sin offerings that the Lord would forgive them. And, and that they would come and, and acknowledge that they're broken. That we're all sinners. So we want you to have a joyful a face because you have a joyful heart. They purified the people, the gates, and the wall. Um, verses 31 to 37, and, and I'll try to say some of these unpronounceable names, but I'll struggle. Then I had the leaders of Judah come up all, and I appointed two great choirs. The first proceeding to the right on top of the wall toward the refuse gate. Hoshiah and half of the leaders of Judah followed them with Azariah, Ezra, Meshalam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, Jeremiah, and some of the sons of the priests with trumpets. Anybody play trumpet? I'd love to have a trumpet up here. Hopefully we're going to get flutes back one of these days when, when Donna Vincent starts coming back. Trumpets, and Zechariah the son of Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, the son of Mattani, we should recognize his name, flip back, just, I'm going to just do this real quick while we're here. If you go back to chapter 11, verse 17, and Mattaniah, the son of Micah, the son of Zabadee, the son of Asaph, who is the leader of the beginning, the thanksgiving at prayer. Remember, he was the one that had the wore out knees. He was the prayer warrior. Talked about every church needs one. Chapter 12, verse 8. It talks about him again. Mattaniah, who was in charge of the songs of he and his brothers. Love to sing songs about thanksgiving. Giving thanks to God for who he is and what he's done in our lives. Then back to the end of uh, verse 35 in chapter 12. The son of Micaiah, the son of Zachur, the son of Asaph, the singers. Remember, Asaph's the one that wrote a lot of the Psalms. That's why his name might seem familiar. His kinsmen, Shemaiah, Azrael, Milai, Gilai, Mai, Nathaniel, Judah, and Hanai, with the musical instruments of David, this man of God, and Ezra the scribe went before them. And at the fountain gate, they went directly up the steps to the city of David by the stairway of the wall above the house of David to the water gate on the east. And I hope you followed me and know exactly where I'm talking about. You don't. That's all right. I don't either unless I look at the map. That's the first choir. The choir's got the, the lay leaders, it's got the priests, and it's got musical instruments. I'll get to that in a minute. If you can figure it out, go for it. <laughs> okay, we start right off. Then I had the leaders of Judah come up on the wall. Does anybody remember anything about the nobles throughout the book of Nehemiah? I'll, I'll give you a hint. They were distant relatives of Sambalat and Tobiah. They weren't fully on board with the program. Okay? I'm gonna get to, uh, turn to, to uh, we're going to stay all in Nehemiah here. Look at 414. Chapter 4, verse 14.
When I saw their fear, I rose up and spoke to the nobles, the officials, and to the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. The, the, the nobles show themselves to right there to, to not be real strong. Uh, chapter 4, verse 19. And I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive, and we are separated on the wall from one another. Whatever place you hear the sound of the trumpet rally to us, our God will fight for us. Not totally implied in that verse, but they, they weren't doing the work. The, the nobles weren't. The people were and did, obviously, because the wall got done in 52 days. Chapter 5, verse 7. <clears throat> I consulted with myself and contended with the nobles and the rulers and said to them, You are exacting usury, each from his brother. Therefore, I held a great assembly. Remember, we had the great outcry, the great assembly, and then the great example in that chapter. But there was a great outcry because the nobles were charging excessive interest to their fellow Jews. Not on board. Chapter 6, verse 17. You get the idea they're more about themselves than they are about the Lord and certainly about helping the people. Chapter 6, verse 17, In those days many letters went from the nobles of Judah to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came back to them. Remember that? All the grief. He was trying to tear them down and be discouraging. And the nobles fed right into Tobiah's game. They weren't with the program of getting the wall built. There was too many bloodlines there that led to some bad blood. Not, not people you'd want to say were your relatives. Chapter 10, verse 29. 10, 29. They're joining with their kinsmen, their nobles, in the taking on of themselves a curse and an oath to walk in God's law, which was given through Moses. Well, that sounds good. They're doing the right thing there, right? They're getting on boat now. They're, they're, they're taking the oath. Remember, actions speak louder than words. The nobles were hypocrites in standing up with this group in chapter 10. They were, they were just hypocrites. That's all there is to it. They lived their lives one way, and here they were saying what they thought they needed to say to be in. Chapter 13, verse 17. We'll get there in the next few weeks. But then it says, I reprimanded the nobles of Judah and said to them, what is this evil thing you are doing by profaning the Sabbath day? Should it be any shock? Should it be any surprise? Again, actions speak louder than words. The nobles weren't on board with it. And yet, at any time, not at any time, did Nehemiah try to exclude them. We, we are on the dedication. We have two choirs, one going up on the wall and going that way, one going up on the wall and going this way. Does Nehemiah exclude the nobles? No. Because he wants them to see what God has done. He, he, knows, he, he knows what they are about. 
most of the Jews that, that don't have their head in the sand would know what these nobles are about. They're the ones that were charging him usury. Unjust interest. Excessive. There's nothing about these nobles that say that they're on board with the program. But Nehemiah doesn't exclude them. He wants them to see. So he takes them up on the wall with him. Up on the wall. Hmm. Up on the wall. Chapter 4, verse 3. Oh, I got to start in one and two. Three, three is the focus. But and it came about when Samballot heard that they were that we were rebuilding the wall. He became furious and very angry and mocked the Jews. And he spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria and said, "What are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burned ones? Here you go." Now Tobiah the Ammonite was near him and said, remember birds of a feather flock together, right? Says he was near him and he said, even what they are building, if a fox should jump on it, he would break the stone wall down. That's why they're going up on the wall and they're going to march on the wall. Two choirs worth, not a little fox. But okay, here's, this is for you, Sam Ballot and Tobiah. That wall that you think is going to crumble underneath a fox? Guess what? We got hundreds of people up here walking on this wall that you think a fox is going to knock down. Ha! Back at you, Sam Bell and Tobiah. Witness and be a testimony to what God did here. And I don't know if you'll recall, this, is one, this has become one of my favorite parts of Nehemiah. If you'll turn to chapter 6, verse 15. Hmm. This one's going to get me, guys. 6.15, So the wall was completed on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. And it came about when all our enemies heard it, and all the nations surrounding us saw it, they lost their confidence. Hallelujah! Praise God, His work is done and the people around you are noticing. They are seeing what your God has done. They have lost their confidence. Get this, man. This is, this is what it's about. For they recognized that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Woo! God did it. God did the work. God kept them going despite the adversity. God did it. They lost their confidence. I don't know if you remember the story of Rahab. And the spies came and she was hiding the spies. And she says, guys, this, this city's yours. Come take it. We're terrified of you guys. We've heard about your God. We've heard what your God can do. We are terrified of you. Come and take it. 
And then if you look back in Deuteronomy, we see the verse where, where God told the people before they even entered, before, why they, were in the, why they were in the desert, why they were in the wilderness. He said, I will send a terrifying spirit ahead of you. They will be terrified of you because of me and who I am and what I will do for you. He did it. He did it. And he will do it in your life. He will never, ever leave you or forsake you. He will never, ever leave you or forsake you, any of you. Amen. And amen. He is who he says he is. And he does what he says he will do. So they purified themselves. They made themselves ready to pray, or to praise and pray. One, one choir goes up one way. Let me get back to chapter 12. Verse 38, Nehemiah twelve thirty-eight. The second choir proceeded to the left while I followed them with half of the people on the wall above the tower of the furnace to the broad wall. And above the gate of Ephraim, by the old gate, by the fish gate, the tower of Henel, the tower of the hundred, as far as the sheep gate, and they stopped at the gate of the guard. For, for the landmarks... This is where I should have that one on as much as I hate it. For the, for the landmarks, the, the, the one choir, the first place they came, the, the scripture talks about, and the second choir going, they, had to, they, they met somewhere in between to start. And you know where they met? This is where they started. What gate was that? That was the valley gate. Does anybody remember anything about the valley gate from chapter 1? The light bulb just went on. Anybody else? Flip the switch. Nehemiah got, got to Jerusalem and he prayed for three days and then he snuck out at night. And he was on a, some animal. We don't know if it was a horse or a donkey or a camel. But he cut through all the rubble. But where he started was at the valley gate. This to Nehemiah was significant. This is where he met with God at the beginning of the work in Jerusalem. It was down here at the valley gate. You see the, the one choir? As, as this group came this way, make sure I got it right. Yeah, I believe Ezra's choir came this way. And Nehemiah's choir went that way. This, this is, I don't know, some, some people, there, there's different, some people believe that the, the first came way out and around, the other's this one. He, he rebuilt this wall, so I don't know why he would take the old wall on the inside when they rebuilt the other one. So to me, I, I go with this one here, although it doesn't, doesn't really matter. What matters is that God's name was being praised for the work that he had accomplished. And I think it's cool that they started at the valley gate. 
because that had significance in Nehemiah's heart. All the Levites come from your villages. We're going to have a a celebration, a dedication. And then we go up on the walls. The walls that a fox could knock over, right? Guess not. But as they, they march, each choir had its lay leaders, its priests, its spiritual leaders, and both choirs had trumpets. Now, the reason I had asked Stephen to read Psalm 24 today is because I, I can't think of the, the, the musical term for it. It's, it's, a, it's a type of song that one group would sing back to the other, that there, there's kind of like an echo or a response. I'm getting chills. But to, to see the one choir going up one side, other choir going upside, who is our Lord? Mighty is he, mighty is he. Now I better turn to Psalm 24. Lift up your heads, O gates, be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord God Almighty, the Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. You can imagine, and I don't know, they might have even thrown a couple of Rakshazaks in there. Be strong and courageous, Rakshazak. As they marched, on, on that wall. They knew it would hold them. They weren't worried or concerned about some fox. But as they, as the Jewish people marched around, singing and praising him and responding to the choir on the other wall. Now we don't know that it was Psalm 24. But it very well could have been. There, there aren't a whole lot of songs that, that are psalms that are written like that, that, that we have in God's words. But it very well could have been Psalm 24, but to hear them singing back and forth to each other. Man, if you were a Jew, that had to get your blood flowing. Had to, had to get you excited. There was trumpets, there cymbals, harps, and lyres to, to lead the, the worship. Verse 40. Each of them have walked, walked around and, and gotten back to the north side of the city up top here where the temple is. And they, they come down off the wall. Verse 40 says, Then the two choirs took their stand in the house of God. So did I and half of the officials with me. And the priests, Eliakim, Messiah, Minamin, Micaiah, Elonai, Zechariah, and Hananiah with the trumpets. And Messiah, Shemai, Eleazar, Uzi, Johanan, Malchiah, Elam, and Ezer. 
And the singer sang with Jezariah, the choir leader, the choir director. And on that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced because God had given them great joy. Even the women and children rejoiced so that the joy, the joy of Jerusalem was heard from afar. In that culture that time, women and children were usually seen and not heard. But they joined in the celebration. They couldn't help themselves. They knew and saw God for what He was. The great provider. The great finisher. So that the women and the children rejoiced. So that the joy of Jerusalem was heard from afar. You ever got into a football game late? Not not a high school game. A, A big college game or a pro game. Where there's, you know... 115,000 people or something like that. If you're late and they do the national anthem and then they cheer or you, you know, you're really late and somebody scores a touchdown and you hear the roar of the crowd. So that the joy of Jerusalem was heard from afar. I don't think the outer edges of Newberry can hear us sing on Sunday morning. We need to work on that, but we'll get there. It doesn't say their singing was heard. It doesn't say the instruments were heard. Their joy was heard. Because they were purified, they were cleansed, they were in communion with God, they were in fellowship with God, they could have the cheerful face because their heart was good. They were praising and exalting their Heavenly Father who provided and completed the work for them. In closing, I got two passages. Hebrews 13. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16. Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing for with such sacrifice God is pleased. I'm going to read it again. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. Do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased.
sharing is a practical expression of gratitude. When we praise God, we give Him thanksgiving. The natural outpouring of our heart should be to share with those around us. So our right relationship with God should affect our lives here on this plane. Our right heart with God should affect our relationships on this plane right here. Colossians chapter 3. It just made me think one of the announcements I didn't write down on my sheet. I forgot one. This Thursday, we'll have a chance to do some sharing. Thank you, Lord, for reminding me. Thursday at 1.30 at the link, there will be Feeding America truck, okay? Thursday at 1.30 at the link this, this coming Thursday. I think that's the 24th. Okay, back to Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 17. And so, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against you, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. I just got to make a comment on the end of verse 14 there. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. On our political scene in our country today, everybody's screaming for unity. But everybody wants unity to get what I want. It's not what God's word says. Unity is not about suppressing you so I can be supreme over you. Unity. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. You want unity, we need to love one another. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in somebody. in in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Father, change our lives. Change our lives. Help us to have cheerful faces because our hearts are pure with you. Help us to have a lovely countenance because our heart is pure with you that we might put others before ourselves, that we would put you above all else.
that you would work in our hearts and our lives. Father, change us. Don't let us be content with who we are right now. Help us to have a desire to to walk closer to you, to be more in fellowship with you, to have a stronger relationship with you, and that we might have that unity, Father, in love. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the, the praise and the dedication that the Jews gave to the wall. And through it, they acknowledged you, they exalted you, they lifted up your name. And for that, we are grateful and thankful and and pray that that would be our hearts as well. That we would see what you are doing and be joyful in it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We have one last thing for you before we let you go.